0: Well, welcome to church, guys, you made it. It's awesome to see you. Those of you who are here in the room, those of you who are with us online, we're so glad that we get to be together this weekend. Thanks for coming, being part of this. Um, If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, one of the pastors here at Christ Community, and uh, just real pleasure to be with you. Um, If you're newer to us, either here in the room or online, um, we would love the opportunity to meet you. If we haven't had a chance to meet you yet, that would be our great joy and privilege. I mean, if you're in the room, the easiest thing to do is when we're done here, if you would just walk out to the welcome desk and meet our team at the welcome desk, and we have a contact card for you to fill out, and uh, we'd love to be in contact with you this week. We have a gift to give you for that, and uh, really wanna just kinda of find out how we could pray for you, help you, serve you, any questions we could answer for you. Those of you who are online, If you hit that connect button, that'll take you to our digital connect card. Same thing for you. We just wanna see how we can pray for you, serve you, answer any questions for you. And we really appreciate the opportunity to meet you. Thanks for coming and and checking out Christ Community. So you've caught us in the middle of this series that we've called, first of all, Pray. prayer for us as a church is a high priority. We strive to have a culture of prayer here at our church. And prayer is one of the first things, very few first things that God has given to us as his people. And so, you know, prayer, we, first thing in the day, first thing when something happens, we're emphasizing it first of the year. So prayer is one of these first things and we're talking about it. And as we're making our way through, one of the things that keeps surfacing in prayer is, is the importance of how we see God and who he is in our life. And if he's, if he's attentive or if he's, if he's not paying a lot of attention or if he's up close, or if he's far away, like how we see God has a huge impact on that. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today. And the other piece of this is how we see ourselves in prayer makes makes a huge difference for how and when and even why we pray. If you just think about that with me for just a second, if, if you see if you see God as the master and you're the servant, like that's gonna really impact and influence how and when and why you pray. Or if, if he's if he's the king and you're a subject and that's what prayer is, is or if, he's, if he is like the boss and you're the employee and you're just checking in, like how you see God and how you see yourself have a big impact on how and when and why you pray. And on top of that, how you see God and how you see yourself really impacts how, how we make it through the more mysterious things in prayer because there's a lot of mystery connected to prayer. There's a lot of things we don't understand about prayer fully. We have a little bit and we practice experienced prayer, but, but like there's there's a delay in answering prayer. And sometimes how if how you see God and how you see yourself when there's a delay in answering prayer or maybe if the answer is no or it turns out a little differently than you were asking or had hoped, the the mystery of prayer, how you see God and how you see yourself makes It makes all the difference. So in our time together today, what I'd like to do is talk with you about about how we should see ourselves in relationship to God when it comes to prayer. And and what we're gonna explore together today really is, it's the the highest and the most important revelation of of who we are in relationship to God when it comes to prayer. And in our relationship with God, like the Bible talks about, it gives us a bunch of different images for that, but this one that we're going to talk about this weekend, like this is is the highest and it's the most important one, and it's the one through which all those other images should be seen and interpreted. And so today I want to talk with you about praying as a child of God. When it comes to prayer, the highest and greatest revelation of, of who God is to us as Father and and who we are to him, we are his children. So, so to jump into this, I wanna start with this idea, this term that's from Acts chapter 17, the term is offspring. So the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, he's, he's in this dialogue with ancient Greek philosophers and, and he quotes one of them affirming the truth statement that, that we are all God's offspring. And, and when he makes that statement, like, all of us, not just people in church, people outside the church, not just people who believe, but all of us, we're all God's offspring. And when he makes that statement, what he's talking about, he says, he says we're made, because we're made by God, like he's, he's the creator and we're his creation and so we come from him. And, and he made us in his image. So we're all, in many ways, we're like him and, and so we're his offspring, all of us, all of us are his offspring. But, but not all of us are his children. And so there's this this nuance in relationship for us that that we're all his offspring, and because we're his offspring, we all get to live under his blessing. They're just common blessings. They're blessings that he gives to all of us because he created us, because we're made in his image. But there are other blessings that are reserved for people who are his children, and the consistent teaching of the Bible is that that designation, that relationship of father and child happens for us and is reserved for those of us who are in relationship with Jesus. So the Gospel of John chapter one, this is the Bible verse that I want us to jump into today, talks about how we become God's child through Jesus. So the Gospel of John chapter one is this introdu- introduction to who Jesus is. And, and it talks about his incarnation, his Christmas time, about his coming to earth. And so in verse 11, Jesus came to that which was his own, so creation, us, people, we belong to him. He came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So this is a spiritual birth that the Bible's talking about, spiritually being born into God's family. And this is great news, there's great news in this, that, that to become a child of God, it's a spiritual thing that happens between you and God. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter what family you come from, your family of origin, who your parents are, your grandparents are, that, none of that matters for you. The great news is that all of us have this great opportunity to not just be offspring of God, but actually to become children of God, and as we read in these verses, the way to become children of God is to receive Jesus. That's another way of saying it, they kind of say about believing in him, believing in his name, believing that he is who he said he was, that he's he's the son of God and he's God the son, and, and believing that he'll do for us what he said he would do, which is forgive us of our sins and give us life. Like that's the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross was for us to be forgiven of our sins and, and his resurrection from the dead in that you and I receive eternal life. And so this idea of, of receiving Jesus, of believing in his name, as people are saying yes to, to who Jesus said he is and what he says that he does for us, like that's, that's the baseline, the bottom of, of what it means to, to receive him. So the opposite of receiving Jesus is rejecting him. And like you can reject Jesus flat out. Like, nope, I don't believe that. I, that, that makes no sense to me. I'm not for that. Like you could reject Jesus flat out or you can reject him in a little more friendly way. You can reject him with apathy. You know, sort of like, okay, so that, that sounds all right. That might be good for those people, but I, like I'm not, I'm not super interested in that. I'm not believing that. Or, or with delay. Like, yeah, I, I get that. I see that. I understand that is even intriguing to me, but not right now. Like, I got a lot of things I've got going on in my life. It, there are a lot of ways that you can reject Jesus. You could be a church person and be rejecting Jesus, rejecting him. But, but to those of us who receive him, who believe in his name, we have this incredible privilege and opportunity to become children of God, and we're called children of God because we belong to him, through Jesus. So in Galatians chapter three, the Apostle Paul's writing. So that Gospel of John is the Apostle John. Galatians chapter three, the Apostle Paul's writing, he says basically the same thing, just a little bit different language. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. So if you're a person who's receiving Jesus, and you're believing in him, You're a child of God, you're a child of God. There are a number of images in the Bible about our relationship with God. I'll just give you a list of some of them. He's a great king and we're citizens in his kingdom. He's the master and we're his servants. He's our God and we're his people and even we're his priests. He's our shepherd, we're his sheep. He's the potter, we're the clay. He's a master craftsman, we're his handiwork. All these things are, these are beautiful and helpful images for us, but they all have to be understood in the framework of that father-child relationship. Because the highest and greatest picture of your and my relationship with God is that he is our father and we belong to him. We're his children, and, and so like that's who you are to him. He's your father, you're his child. And and when we we get that out of order, like when we start seeing one of those other relationships as as the priority relationship, we can really get out of whack in our relationship with God. As I was thinking about this, kind of reminded me when I was in elementary school, my dad was the principal of our elementary school. So I would get called to the principal's office on occasion. Now, if, if in my mind, I'm thinking the principal is, my dad, Like the principal is the first relationship I think about when I'm going to this guy's office, I'm worried about what did I do here at school, what, or did I do something at home that I'm gonna be in trouble for? I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm thinking in terms of primary relationship as principal and student, when I get called to the office, I've got, I've got problems in front of me. I've got a lot of stress, I've got a lot of worry, and I've got not a lot of clarity. But I had a good dad, and so when I would be called to the principal's office, for me that wasn't a big deal because I wasn't going to see the principal, I was going to see my dad. And so just think about that in the context of our spiritual lives, you just think about coming to church if you if you are coming to church and you are coming as the servant of a master and and the point of this is for evaluation or for report like that feels way different right if you're if you're coming as the the subject of a, a great king and he's got this big important kingdom and you feel like like you're you're just this subject in in the king one of many that, that's way different isn't it than if if you 're coming to church to be with your heavenly Father and to be with your spiritual family and we have this we have this great privilege to be children of God. He looks at us and says, I am your father, and you are my child now father child relationships are really complicated it's it 's always a it's always a little bit of a risky proposition when we when we're holding God out as Father and talking about us as His children, because because our earthly fathers, our relationship with our earthly father, where it was good, where it was bad, where it didn't happen, as Bo talked about a few minutes ago. Those of us who are dads in the room, like that that earthly father-child relationship, really shapes some things about how we view God and how we view this father-child relationship. I mean, this is. This is, kind of a, this is kind of a risky thing for us as we talk through this. And so, so before I jump into what it's like to pray like a child of God, I'd like to just stop for a minute and, and talk with us about what kind of father God is to us. There's, there's a lot of information in the Bible about what kind of father God is, and, and where I've just kind of landed for most of this, there are two sermons that Jesus preached. One of them is recorded in Matthew's Gospel, It's called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus went up on a mountain and then he preached this sermon. So we've called it the Sermon on the Mount. There's another one in Luke's Gospel that's called the Sermon on the Plain. They're very similar. It's called the Sermon on the Plain because it says, and they went down into a flat spot and Jesus began to preach to them. And so this Sermon on the Plain in Luke's Gospel. And then there's another teaching a little later in Luke's Gospel where Jesus teaches. And in these these three teaching spots, he really gives us a good picture of what kind of father God is to us. And who better to inform our thinking on what kind of father God is than Jesus, who is his son as he talks with us about God being his father. So I'd like to share with you five things from those three spots in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel about who God is, about what our Heavenly Father is like. So the first, the first thing to know about him is that he is attentive. He's attentive. So Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12. He he says about, of God, he says, the hairs, he has numbered the very hairs on your head. And that's not like an OCD thing that God has going on. Right, That 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 is God who sees you and who pays attention to you and who knows you, he's, he's looking at you and, and watching you, he's attentive to you. And, and in his attention of you, he's a God who knows what we need. He, Jesus says this, that, talking about prayer, Jesus says of our Heavenly Father, he knows what you need before you even ask him. And that's a remarkable statement. That he knows what, because he's paying attention to you. So if, if you're the grown up for a kid, if you're a parent, aunt and uncles, good friend, like, if you're the grown up for a kid, like, isn't this mostly true? If you're, if you're paying attention to them, if you're watching out for them, if you love them, if you care for them, don't you pretty much know what they need? Now, not, not in a perfect way, but you know what they need before they ask you for the stuff that they ask you for. Like, you know what they need, you're ahead of them in an imperfect way because you're imperfect. But God's perfect, he's our perfect heavenly father and just like those of us who have kids in our lives, like we stay a little bit ahead of them, he stays ahead of us. He knows exactly what you need before you ever ask him. Now this third thing about him, God gives good gifts to those who ask. That He's responsive, he's responsive to our prayers. He gives good gifts to those who ask. Now you gotta know this about God. He gives good gifts to all of us, even the people who don't ask. Like, we all get good gifts from him, but he gives good gifts. There are, there are gifts that are reserved for people who ask for them. I, like, I read this statement about him that he gives good gifts to those who ask, and it kind of leads me to believe that there are, there are things that you could have if you ask for that if, if you don't, Maybe you're not gonna get. And there, there are things that God wants to give to you that he's just waiting to give to you. And, and maybe maybe another way of looking at this is like God has, he has good gifts for people who ask. But if you don't wanna ask, like if you just wanna live independent and you wanna do it on your own and you wanna go make it happen for yourself, he will let you do that. He will let you He will let you go as far as you can carry yourself. He will let you have what you're able to to figure out and get for yourself in life. And then when you come to the point where you're ready to be dependent and to ask him, he's got good gifts that he wants to give to you because he's a good father who gives good gifts to those who ask him. He's responsive to us. And he's generous. Jesus was teaching and this is in Luke and Jesus makes this statement about so God is he's a great king and then and then he says Jesus says this about him and he is pleased to give you the kingdom I don't know everything that means I have I have dug into that at different points over years and I do not understand everything that that means but here's what I know I know that if my father is a great king and he is pleased to give me the kingdom, then I do not exist in relationship with him in this kingdom relationship. I am not a subject. I am, I am a ruler in that kingdom. I am, I am an heir in that kingdom. And, and again, what does that mean? There's, there's a lot to it and I don't fully understand it so I'm not gonna pretend to kind of, what it means, though, our Heavenly Father is generous. He's, he is the great king of a kingdom, and he is pleased to give his kingdom to us. He's not stingy. He doesn't hold it back. He doesn't have cool stuff in the garage that nobody else gets to play with or a room in the basement that's off limits because dad's important stuff is down there. Like he is, he is a generous father who is pleased to give to his children what belongs to him so he's, he's this generous father and then that last piece there is it's just how much more how much more cuz Jesus when he teaches about God as a father he talks about our earthly fathers so if you're a dad he talks about you at your best he talks about your earthly father like earthly fathers at their best he talks about us at our best and then he makes statements like and if and if you being human, being evil compared to God. Like if you just as a human being, like if if you're this good to your kids, how much more? How much more will your heavenly father be to you? He's a how much more father. And so what that says for people like you and me, if you had a good dad, if you had a good dad, how much more? Your heavenly father is for you. And if, if your dad was absent or not a good dad, here's what you need to know. You saw somebody, you knew, there was a picture in your mind of what you hoped your dad would be for you. How much more is your heavenly father for, like, for you? For you, because he's a, he's a how much more kind of God. He's a good father. He's a good father, which is why, again, when Jesus taught us to pray at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' followers said, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, our father, our father, that's why Jesus taught us to address God as our father, not our master, our king, but our father, because that is that father child relationship is, is the highest and greatest relationship of of God with us it's the it's the image the picture through which all the other ones have to be like they have to come through that he's your father and you're his child and when we see him as our father and we see ourselves as his child that that informs how and when and why we pray so so let me share with you then some some ways that we as children of God pray okay, so this is this is how children of God should pray, and, and this, helps us, this helps us as we go forward to becoming people who pray. Because again, this is the first thing, and, and God, God calls us to pray, and he moves when we pray. Like this, this is an important deal, and so our relationship with him is father and child. So because we're his children, we get to pray with respectful intimacy. We get to pray with respectful intimacy. In Romans chapter eight, verses 15 and 16, teaching about the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of you. When you receive Jesus, when you believe in his name, if we went back to that John one passage, when you receive him, when you believe in his name, one of the things that happens, one of these good gifts that God gives to us is God the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And so God himself takes up residence in you. And so this spirit that we received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear. That's not the kind of relationship that you have with God. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So this this is family, this is being brought into the family, and that picture of adoption to sonship, like that's a really important one. It was written into the patriarchal culture of first century Rome, and the only people who could inherit were sons. And it's not an affirmation of that structure. It's just writing into that and saying to all of us, men, women, boys, girls, when you receive Jesus, you receive this spirit, you are are adopted into God's family, not just as one of the kids, but as an heir. Like you've received this spirit whose adoption to sonship. And by this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children, that Abba father term. So Abba is Aramaic. It's Eastern in its origination. And it is, it's a familiar term. We would say dad or daddy. It's, it's just, it's, it's reserved for your dad. It's reserved for your, your parent, like your earthly parent, dad, daddy, father, like that's Western in it's, origination. And father can refer to like to your father, your your paternal father. But it could also refer to somebody who's in an authority and it kind of has a, a paternal impetus to that. Authority, like maybe a teacher could be called father. There's spiritual leaders who are called fathers. Your great grandpa, your great great grandpa could be called father because you come from. The, so father could be, a, it's always a position of honor and respect, but father could be It could be a lot, like the state was even considered a father in some ways at that time. So there's respect there, but that Abba Father, there's intimacy there. And so there's, we have permission to pray, to engage with our Heavenly Father with intimacy and with respect. And so so we have this beautiful privilege of of intimacy with, with the God of heaven and earth. As children, we, we don't approach him like he is the king and we are a lowly subject. We don't have to approach him like he is, he is somebody and we are nobody. We're as children. And so we get to engage with him with respectful intimacy. So that's, that's the first thing about being praying like a child of God is praying with respectful intimacy. The second thing, gratitude and humility. We get to pray with gratitude and with humility. I just, I really appreciate the Apostle John again, writing, it's a little later letter than his gospel. First John chapter three, verse one. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. Because sometimes you hear that little phrase, that we get to be called children of God, and maybe you wanna push back on that. You You don't know me, you don't know what I've done, You don't don't know how I feel about God sometimes. There's no way he could feel like this about me. I'm too small. He's too big. Like all the things we push back on this statement that, that you are a child of God. And there's just this, no, no. The father has lavished great love. See how much love he's lavished on you that you would be called a child of God. And if you've received Jesus, that's what you are. Don't let anybody talk you out of that. Don't lay that to the side. With gratitude and with humility, we get to say, I have, been, I have been declared to be a child of God. And so we get to come with respectful intimacy and we get to pray with gratitude and with humility that we have been declared children of God and nobody gets to talk us out of that and nobody gets to say no to that. Like That is what we are, what great love the Father has lavished on you that you would get to be called the child of God. And so we get to pray with gratitude and with humility. And then this third thing, we get to pray like we are God's favorite. You you may wonder about this, but you get to pray like you are God's favorite. I had a friend who she would, something would happen in her day, she would get the front parking spot at a busy restaurant and she would say, I'm Jesus' favorite. There are different things that happen in her life, and she would just declare that in the room. I'm Jesus's favorite. Now, what's cool about this is because God is, is infinite. right? He has no limits. That means he doesn't have one favorite. Right? So if she's Jesus's favorite, guess what? Me too. Okay? I'm his favorite too. In Ephesians chapter five, verse one, follow God's example, therefore, listen to this, as dearly loved children see what love the Father has lavished on us, that we would be called children of God, and that's what we are. So we follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and then we get to walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If you're God's favorite, if you can pray like you're God's favorite, that means that you get to pray your heart. You get to pray your desires. You don't you don't have to dress up your prayers for God. You don't have to wonder, like, is this okay? Can I say this? Can I ask for this? Could I tell him this about what's going on and this? Like, you don't have to dress it up. You don't have to again just think about, just think about yourself that if you have a kid in your life, if you're if you're some kid's grown up and and they want to talk to you, do you want them worried about how they're gonna say it? Do you want them worried about, is this okay if I say it like this? Do you want, do you want them thinking about a conversation with you is going to be a stressful thing for them? Of course not. And if we, being human, how much more does God want you to come to him with who you are, with where you are, with what's going on in your life, with what you're feeling about it, with what you're worried about, with what you're struggling with, with with where you need help, and not worried about, is this okay? Can I talk to him about this? Could I say this to him? You are a dearly, you're not just a child of God. You are a dearly loved child of God. You're not just a child of God, you're you're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. And so you you can approach him in prayer like you're his favorite child. It's a beautiful thing, it's a beautiful thing. So praying like you're God's favorite. And then this next one, the fourth one. You can pray knowing that your prayers linger in God's heart. This is, this, is, this is fascinating to me and this is inspiring to me. So you can pray knowing that your prayers linger in God's heart. So your prayer is not like an email and God is one of those zero inbox people. You know, zero inbox person that like the, in, the email comes in and they, they deal with it or they delete it and it's gone. That's, that's not how your prayer is. Your, your prayer is, is not like a Christmas card that God holds up for a little bit and then in a little while he throws it away because Christmas is over, right? That's not how it is. Your prayer actually lingers in God's ears. So there's this picture of heaven and it's in Revelation chapter five. And and it talks about these angelic beings, these heavenly beings. And stuff's going on in heaven and on earth And these heavenly beings, they each had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. So this is worship in heaven. This is worship in heaven. They're holding these golden bowls full of incense and the bowls full of incense are the prayers of God's people. So if if you just went and read that, the way I read through that, the way I read that, when I read that, I don't read it like those are the prayers in that moment in time. To me, it reads like those are those are the prayers of God's people from all time. And and they're portrayed as incense in heaven. And you know incense, I mean incense you can you can smell it and when it's burning like you can you can see it burning it it permeates and it, and it lingers. And your prayers, you, as a child of God, a dearly loved child of God, God's favorite. Like you, the prayers that you pray, they, they linger in heaven. And God, has, God has set up the way heaven works. He he's set it up so that, so that the prayers that you pray eternally linger in his heart and mind, in his ears, like, he wants to hear from you and he wants to engage with you and and he's not just waiting for you to finish talking so he can get on to the next thing. Like your, your prayers, your prayers linger in God's ears. And and as a child of God, you gotta know. Like his, your prayers are like incense in heaven. They, they, they permeate the place, and they linger in it. And so you could approach God that way with your, with your prayers. And then this last one. As children of God, we can pray with confidence that our Heavenly Father is moved by our prayers. You can pray with confidence that your Heavenly Father is moved by your prayers, because he is. He, he pays attention to you. He, he knows how many hair are on your head, because... He loves you and and he is for you and he is with you and he is he is an attentive father who is good and and he has invited you in into relationship with him and he has given you this privilege of of prayer of talking with him and said things to you like, cast all your cares on me because I care about you and come boldly into my presence so that I can help you. He said these beautiful things to us and you gotta know he didn't invite us in just so that we can kinda get it all out and feel better about it. He, he has invited us into relationship, into family relation, to, his, to be his children. He's invited us, invited us into this. He's invited us to pray because he is moved by our prayers. So you can pray with confidence that your heavenly father is moved by your prayer. So Jesus, teaching on prayer, Gospel of John, he makes this statement. He tells, he tells his followers, he says, hey, whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in Jesus' name, the father will give you. If this, is one of those, this is one of those statements that is kind of <laughs> mind-blowing. And, and often we limit it down and put all this qualifiers on it because our prayers don't always get answered the way we want them to be answered and at the time we want, would you just read what Jesus says? Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you and, and we're kind of back where we started. We're back to Jesus. Whoever receives him, whoever believes in his name has the right, has the privilege to be called a child of God and so this whole thing starts with Jesus and with our relationship with him and receiving him, believing in his name. And this prayer thing is this statement about whatever we pray in his name, we're back to Jesus, we're, we're Jesus people. And we're, we're in relationship with him and we're in step with him and we're saying yes to him and to his influence in our lives, to the forgiveness and to the life that he wants to give to us and we're walking in that. Like we're back, to we're Jesus people. And, and when we are living as Jesus' people, as receiving and believing in him, our heavenly father gives us what we ask. And so you can, you can be confident, you can be confident that your father, your heavenly father is moved by your prayers. So here's how we're gonna wrap this whole thing up. Worship teams out here, in just a minute, they're gonna sing another song to us for us, the The title of this song, the song is called Run to the Father. And so this end of this worship service is for you. So maybe, maybe for you this run to the Father is that receiving Jesus, believing in him that he is who he said he is, and he'll do what he said he would do. He'll forgive you. He will give you life. Like Maybe for you, that run to that father is, is a yes to him. Maybe for you, running to the father is you've, you've kind of given up on a prayer. You know, it didn't happen fast enough, or, or you were seeing yourself in a different relationship with God. Maybe you've just kind of been a little sideways there, and maybe for you, run to father's father is just running back to, okay, I am I'm your dearly loved child. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is for you, whatever you need to experience with him and just this, these next few minutes are for you. And so, so they're gonna sing this over you, for you, with you. This is a great chance for you to do what the title of the song says. And just run to your heavenly Father. Enjoy being a child of God who is dearly loved and who has this great privilege of being able to, to pray to talk with your Heavenly Father. So I'm gonna pray for you, and then when I finish praying, they're gonna sing over. So will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? So Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for seeing and hearing and knowing. Thank you for engaging with us. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you. Thank you that we can enter into relationship with you, life in Jesus' name. So these next few minutes, we're running to you. We're running to you collectively, but we are running to you as individual people. And we need you to father us. So thank you for stepping into this moment with us. Jesus, it all comes to us through you. So we pray these things in your name, amen.